Um, So today's reading is from John chapter 21, verse 15 to uh, 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Excellent. Thank you, Karen. Morning, everyone. Morning, morning. Let's try that again. A little bit of energy. Morning, since we're here. Thank you. Uh, so, um, downtime. Yeah, You're, you kind of think what you do to relax. So, um, turn to your neighbour. If you don't know them, this is your moment to feel awkward. And uh, say, what do you do? Are you a Netflixer? Are you Prime? Are you TikTok? I've seen you on TikTok. Are you, uh, you know, what, what do you do? Are you a gardener? Felucia was telling me all about her wonderful gardening skills this morning. Uh, uh, so, what do you do to relax? What's your downtime? Okay, 30 seconds. That's all, all the pain will be gone in 30 seconds. Okay, just go for it. Front, back, sideways, Sam Fry it, whatever you want. 30 seconds. Excellent. Well, wonderful. There you go. So, uh, what do people do? Anybody, anybody brave enough to say what they, what they, what's their downtime? What they do to relax? No rush, one at a time. Cycling, cycling, knitting, knitting. Very mindfulness knitting, isn't it? Very mindfulness. Well, over, over this side, Felicia, Caleb. I won't embarrass you. It's your first time. Maybe, probably your last now. Running. Running, it's a sight. Reading, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I love, love reading. Anybody else on it? Catherine? Gardening, and what was the other? Oh, Agatha Christie. Very nice, yeah, I like that. Tom, what do you do to relax? Do you go to the gym or anything? Maybe, maybe. Built like a tank, maybe, maybe. So, um... So one of the, uh, probably some of you do this, but not, not many of you, because I know the, the, my downtime is just prayer and reading the Bible, but you know, it's fine, your secular activities, but, uh, uh, but no, YouTube, you go on YouTube, and you, or your kind of whatever your social media kind of fixes, or Netflix, or whatever, and they start, when you've watched a few things, they start making recommendations for you, you know that kind of, yeah, you're all, we're all aware of that, and how many of those recommendations work for you, and do, some, some do, some don't, and, um, but what's the annoying thing is on YouTube, if you just kind of watch a couple of things, then it, it's kind of dominated by that. So I, I like to find out a little, I'm quite curious about what people believe about Jesus and about Christianity. So, so I tend to kind of watch a little bit of that on, um, on YouTube and then you get recommendations. Well, the latest recommendation I got was for a debate about the resurrection of Jesus. That's him rising from the dead. A debate about it, which is quite common. People have a little debate about it. But guess how many hours this debate was? guess how many you've got two guesses 
If you don't get it then, that's it, I'll tell you. Two, no, but I see what you did there. Agatha Christie, any ideas? She'd work out. How long was this debate, do you think I was recommending? I'll tell you, I'll put you out of your misery because time's ticking on, Tom. Got to get to the gym. T- nearly seven. Seven-hour debate, one-on-one. Bart Ehrman via chap called Mike. Bart and Mike. Seven hours debating the resurrection. You had to pay money to watch it. I mean, and people did, bless them. But seven hours. Now, that is, that's a lot of... That's, that's like Lord of the, all the Lord of the Rings films, isn't it? That's some serious kind of watching. So they were spending seven hours debating the resurrection of Jesus, okay? And it kind of would have gone, I didn't watch it because I'm stingy, but it kind of, I didn't want to pay for it because I thought somebody would do a meme with it or whatever. But it kind of went like this. You've got Bart Ehrman, if you ever, you may, perhaps you've not heard of him. Bart Ehrman uh, used to be a Christian, isn't now. He's a kind of top Bible scholar. And he's saying... Like the story we just read now, he's kind of saying it didn't happen, uh, it's not historically reliable, you know, it, it's all in their heads and all that kind of stuff. And he's got loads of books written about it, he's a bestseller and he's doing great at deconverting everybody. He's do, doing a very good job at it actually. And then you've got Mike who's saying, Bart, it did happen. And Bart says, it didn't. And Mike says, it did. And you get it, it's like a pantomime. It goes on for seven hours and they get paid for it. They get seven hours of, of roughly that with all their different arguments. Now, the thing about it I find interesting is that my personal view, as you can see, is so popular because thousands attend here, is that um, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because what they're under, they're, they've kind of having a view of the resurrection that was like, you know, did that story of Jesus exactly, exactly happen like this? You know, did Jesus say that to Peter and the one before? Did he really barbecue? And how do they get the fish? How many fish were on that? What did he eat with the fish? What happened to those bones? And can you still discover them? And it gets very about kind of really specific kind of factual stuff. But the amazing thing about the reading today about John's gospel, the way John presents his gospel, is not so much kind of worried, did it exactly happen like that? He's got like a little, he's got a bigger agenda than that. What he's wanting to say is, this is how it happens. Not just like once on a beach, but this is how it happens. This is how Jesus appears to people and goes on appearing to people. So we're going to just look at three really simple ways in which you'll see on the, thank you Catherine, see on the first slide as well coming up, three really simple ways. This story tells us how Jesus appears to people in his resurrected form, the risen Christ. And we do that because my hope and my prayer is in our little lives, you know, going around the place as it were, up to our kind of whatever we get up to, um, gardening or Agatha Christie or work or, or parenting or whatever it is, that actually we start to see Jesus appearing to us. So there's three really beautiful ways that John is writing to say it's not just what happened. It's about what happens, how it continually happens, Jesus appearing to us. So um, the first one is public. There you go, in public. Fusha made a fantastic point last um, Sunday at our 4 p.m., uh, which was simply this, that in all the stories, of, uh, as the stories go in John's gospel, particularly about the resurrection, it's really interesting. So you've got Mary at the tomb, and it's just Jesus and Mary, and it's very, very private. And then you've got Jesus and, and Thomas, that's Thomas up, up, well, it's not literally him, but that's him up there, uh, the statue there. We looked at that last week. And it's this kind of private encounter. And you have lots of the resurrection appearances of Jesus in John's gospel are quite private, are very, very personable, kind of, you know, they're locked away in, in literally their doors, their doors are locked. Here, it's really cool. So they're at the beach, okay, it's a beautiful day, it's like yesterday, we all went to... 
I don't know, the canal or something. We didn't quite go too far from the beach. But, you know, if you lived in Dorset or Devon yesterday, you'd have been at the beach enjoying yourself. Don't dream about it too much, you know. Uh, But you'd have been there, and they're all at the beach. They're out in public. The other stories, they're all, there's just Mary and it's Jesus. And it's very intimate in a, in a kind of enclosed tomb area. And then you've got Thomas and all the doors are locked. So it's all very private. But here, John is saying, you know, Jesus doesn't just appear in these private, really kind of spiritual moments of kind of one-to-one intense moments where it's all angsty, either highly emotional or highly cynical or highly doubtful. Jesus appears in public places not just private places, in public places. He appears where kind of you're just doing the normal stuff of life. He doesn't just appear in church services. It's not just in communion. It's not just in kind of your, your own private time with, uh, as you read scriptures. Jesus appears in public places. There's a man called uh, Leslie Newbigin. He's died now. He's a really, really beautiful man. He spent uh, much of his life in India. And then he got the bus back from India, although this is in the 60s, um, all the way back to the UK before National Express. It took him three months, him and his wife, but they got all the way back. And he had this great phrase, this great saying, which was simply this. He said, the gospel is public truth. It's public truth. It's not just kind of your own private values. The gospel is public truth. It makes an impact in the public realm. First thing we know about this resurrection appearance is it's uh, very, very public. The second one is uh, ordinary. It is uh, ordinary. So um, here's something really um, beautiful. So this afternoon at four o'clock, we've got loads of, it's going to be um, really fa- beautiful, busy service. We've got the bishop coming. Look at that, aren't we posh? We've got the bishop coming. And so he, he dresses up, which is lovely. And um, we've got the bishop coming, we've got confirmation. It's going to be a big service and it's all very kind of dramatic and wonderful and beautiful. Um, but we often kind of see Jesus as appearing in those special moments, do, do, do you know what I mean, in those kind of heightened moments. So if you, if you occasionally wander off to kind of spring harvest or whatever you do in your spare time, you know, big Christian events, we think Jesus is going to appear in these kind of big special kind of mountaintop moments. What we have here is Jesus appearing in actually the really ordinary everyday life. They were just going about their ordinary business. They were just fishermen. That's all they were doing. And Jesus appears to them in that ordinary moment. I think sometimes we can get kind of a little bit skewed, can't we? That we're, we're looking for Jesus in these big spiritual moments. But actually, he wants to meet you in your really ordinary moments. So when you're reading Agatha Christie, he wants to meet you through Agatha some, somehow. Uh, you know, when you're gardening, uh, Felicia, uh, uh, Dave, you were gardening. You know, he wants to meet us there. When we're running, he wants to help really. Uh, you know, he wants to meet us. <laughs> we all need help when we're running. He wants to meet us. There. It's the everyday stuff is where Jesus meets us, not just in these great moments. And he met them while they were, they were fishing. They were doing their everyday stuff. So, so when I was younger, for example, I went to this sort of big church in, um, uh, down south somewhere, and um, we'd have a pew sheet. Remember those pew sheets? Sometimes we, we might reinvent them one day. We had a pew sheet, and you'd have a prayer list, or you'd have a prayer Sunday. And who were you praying for? We were all praying for the missionaries who are in these far-flung places such as France and Spain. And uh, we'll be praying for them uh, kind of week in, week out, because they were doing the really important stuff of the gospel out, out there. And they are, and it's wonderful. But we would never pray for, like, the head teacher, who actually 
probably has a far more stressful job, to be honest. And it was their job to work out, how do I lead and shape this community? We never prayed for the doctor or the nurse or the cleaner or the, um, you know, child carer. We never prayed for, um, you know, kind of people who are just struggling to find work and just coping with everyday life. We, we didn't pray for them. We prayed for the big stuff that we perceived. And so the everyday life, well, it's a bit boring, really. It's not the stuff that Jesus is interested in. What he's really interested in those who are doing these big kind of ministries. So Jesus at the heart of, his, heart of his appearance kind of reverses that and he meets us in those really ordinary moments. And my, I don't know about you, sometimes my life's really exciting, sometimes it's quite boring really, and I'm just, just a bit fed up. But actually the beautiful thing about Jesus, he meets us in the fed up moments. That doesn't exclude it. It's in those ordinary moments when you're making tea, when the kettle breaks and it's annoying. He meets us in those wonderful moments, those ordinary everyday moments. And last but not least, is it's just so simple and so um, gentle. Uh, those who have read the very start of John's Gospel, which uh, I, I know Tom is a big, big fan of, the very start of John's Gospel, John chapter 1, which is, um, who wants to res- recite it? Thank you, Felicio. Was God, yeah, exactly, exactly. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God, and everyone's God, and it's all, not everyone, uh, the Word and God. It's all, it's all this huge kind of dramatic, isn't it? First opening 40, it's like the, the opening of a kind of big, big kind of orchestra. It's this huge, massive, like, build up, and then this kind of mysterious Logos God becomes flesh and blood, and we, now we know what God is like because we look at Jesus, and we see what God is like, and the, the mystery is unveiled, and it's all really clear. It's wonderful. So it's like this big, you know, if you imagine like an orchestra, it's this big opening, and it's all a big kind of fanfare. That's the word I'm looking, big fanfare. And so you're drawn into this gospel, and you're thinking, this is going to kick off you know this is going to be exciting something's going to happen there's this big kind of moment of of God the creator becoming flesh you know the maker was made and all this sort of stuff is incredible but it ends like this it ends with Jesus walking along next to somebody on a beach it's a bit of a disappointing end really do you know what I mean because you would have thought you know it would have ended with him sorting everything out you know, because the world has made flesh. It's a big opening. You know, it, it's a little bit like the sequels. They're never quite the same, are they? You know, that, that is a great opening, John's Gospel. But it ends with this beautiful picture of Jesus just walking along the beach next to people. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus isn't about these almost kind of show-off moments. There's these kind of simple, gentle moments where actually Jesus is walking next to us as we're trying to work out actually how, how do relationships work. We're trying to work out who am I. We're trying to work out how do I kind of parent and hold down jobs. We're trying to work out how do I cope with life when I'm a little bit lonely and not quite sure what I'm supposed to be doing. We, we, it ends with this beautiful, simple thing of Jesus walking along the beach. There isn't, for those who are into their theology, there isn't, almost an, there isn't even an ascension in John's gospel. It's wonderful. It's just... Jesus walking along the beach forever and ever and ever with us. It's such a beautiful, simple ending. And so my hope and prayer is as we look at the, as we, we will, Easter does finish at some point, I think, um, but as we continue to look at these resurrected appearances of Jesus, what we see is this, it's happening in public. We see it's happening in kind of the ordinary, everyday life. And it's so simple, it's so gentle, and it's so beautiful that Jesus is just walking along with us uh, still on the beach, as it were, or by the canals, or wherever you do your walking and your running. Should we just pray together, and then we're going to say what we believe together, and then Felicia will lead us in a time of intercession.
Risen Christ, thank you that you appear to us continually. It wasn't just an event that happened once, but it continues to happen. Thank you you do it in public. Thank you you do it in ordinary places. And thank you, it's so simple and gentle. And I pray for every single one of us as we turn now to prayer, that we might be aware of you walking alongside us in this simple, beautiful manner. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.